Welcome, everybody. I'm Richard Krause. I hope you're staying happy, healthy, and safe. There's a lot to talk about today, so let's get right at it. Later on, we'll get to know Adam Garcia. You'll remember him as Kevin O'Donnell, the Australian heartthrob in Coyote Ugly, who, after one striptease scene at the bar, became the boyfriend of Violet, played by Piper Perabo. He's also an Olivier Award-nominated stage actor and television actor who's best known for lead roles in musicals like Saturday Night Fever and Kiss Me Kate. We talk about how being an anatomical model gave him a sense of being on stage, how the Rocky Horror Picture Show changed the direction of his life, and his starring role in 42nd Street, now playing on stage at the Princess of Wales Theatre in Toronto. First, though, let's spend some time with Mark Critch and Benjamin Evan Ainsworth of the show Son of a Critch, now in its third season on CBC. Based on Mark's best-selling memoir of the same name, Mark plays his own father, Mike Critch, a reporter for a Newfoundland radio station called VOCM. Benjamin plays a fictionalized younger version of Mark, a preteen who is way older on the inside than his years would suggest. The show also stars Malcolm McDowell as Pop Critch, Mark Critch's grandfather, and Claire Rankin as Mark's mother. In Son of a Critch Season 3, Mark faces a near-death experience, business ventures, and explores stand-up, culminating in a reflective night with friends before saying goodbye to middle school. Let's hear from Mark Critch and Benjamin Evan Ainsworth. Does Season 3 feel... Have you shot it yet? The whole thing is shot and whole thing is shot. mostly edited now, yeah. And so, tell me, is does Season 3 feel a little different for you? It's three years on... You're deeper into the character, I would imagine. The storylines have changed a little bit. Tell me a little bit about that. Yeah. Um, I think for Mark as a character this season, it's um, every year he's evolving and changing, and whether it's becoming more comfortable in the school environment or at home. But I think this third season is all about him expanding even further mm-hmm. into like the real world, if you, if you will. Um, so like whether it's like stand-up, or he's, he attempts a one-man show in season three where he attempts all the characters. He's kind of finding his feet in um, kind of bigger stakes, and, and he's, you know, he does find his feet with comedy. And I think for, for him, it's all about expanding, and that's why it's different this year. But for me personally, I think, um, you know, I'm, I'm kind of growing up with the character as well, you know, like going to school such as, you know, he is. So, you know, bringing my own experience as well into it is, has been awesome as well. And I'm lucky that I've got to grow up through like awkward years with an awkward character it's you know it's you know it's great yeah <laughs> has it given you any insight on uh the awkward years yeah. yeah yeah i think um you look at the scripts and you're like um whether it's like um there was a there's a whole episode around him getting a massive zit or whatever it is and and i and then a couple months after shooting i got one like in a similar place <laughs> like you know it's relatable um for me personally and like dealing with those problems and it's it's kind of helpful as well you see see how mark ended up out of it um in the scripts and also realizing oh yeah this is what somebody else has gone through if i ha- if it happens to me in my life so yeah and tell me a little bit about Mark, uh, how comedy kind of saved you 
a little bit because it really did in a lot of ways. We've talked about this a bit before, but we'll see it in season three. But tell me a little bit. Give me a a preview. Yeah, well, for me, you know, comedy started a bit as a being a huge fan of comedy, but then uh, using it as a defense mechanism on the playground. You know, you make somebody laugh, and then they're probably not going to hit you in the face. You know? <laughs> but then uh, when I was fifteen, I I started to uh, get involved with actually performing. We rented a, a, a theater in, in St. John's like for a cabaret night with alcohol, and um, which we, they shouldn't have done. <laughs> and then Dad found out about it, got quite upset, and I was doing an impression on, of him in his um, red, you know, news announcer jacket. With yeah, the, he was with, a news, as people probably yes. know if you watch the show, a news announcer at at a very popular radio station. Yes, yeah. and they had the, you know, he had the crest on, and I had taken his work jacket, and I was doing impressions of him on stage in this cabaret with alcohol everywhere. Now, how'd you figure that was going to work out for you if he found out about it? I never... Th- thought he would. You know, in the moment, it was like, I, I had to do the show. This would be a good bit. Everybody knows dad. Yeah. I'm going to do this. And then he was quite upset. So we actually do this. Uh, Andy Jones, great Canadian yeah. uh, comedian, uh, and he was in Codco and a million things. He plays this stand-up who I'm, who was a, kind of like a mentor to me. And um, we're down there and we're doing it. And I'm dressed as my dad, yelling at Ben, who has done the exact same act I did when I was 15 and uh, in a bar uh, with the red coat on. And so that was a really weird moment, like coming at it, you know, realizing my dad's point of view on it. And uh, and it's, it's really quite heartfelt because dad was really mad about it. But then years later, I saw on a family album, he had taken the poster from it and put it in there because he was kind of, he was kind of proud. And so at the end of the episode, I'm putting it in there like him. So you're, you're, and then in, in doing that, you know, I find myself and, and, and you're trying to find the, the playground uh, version of yourself that's accepted. But in this, it's like, oh, no, 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 I, this is who I am. I know who I am now. I'm going to pursue this. I want to write and perform my own work. And uh, then you, you know, he really takes flight as a character. And, and, and we got to shoot that. And Ben was uh, very funny. He did a great job. Well, it's all testament to you. <laughs> <laughs> You're listening to Mark Critch and Benjamin Evan Ainsworth on The Richard Krause Show. Their show, Son of a Critch, is on CBC Television and CBC Gem. Was it the actual... Like, word, the for re- word. word for word. Word for word. And, and back in those days, we're talking 1990, uh, 89, 90. And one of my friends had gotten into... His family had a handicap, so he actually was into that. He's a, he's a videographer now. Wow. And so we actually have it on tape. So they will show Ben. It's like this is exactly what I did, and uh, yeah. The These own... are the awkward hand movements you yeah. must use. It was the first videotape of me that exists, really, because you know back then nobody I knew had one, and so he came and he shot this thing, and uh, a friend of mine recently found it and sent it to me. I was like, oh, okay, well there you go. That's an episode. Wow, there's so much poignancy in this show. The ending the show with as you as your father putting the poster from that gig yeah. in the thing I, it just and we've talked about it we've talked a, a great deal about this show and I'm sure I've asked you this before but how does it make you feel to kind of examine those moments from your past but through your father's eyes because you're playing your father in this it has to raise questions or maybe not questions but it it has to bring up things for you well it's fascinating because I think one thing, like we, when we're living through things, we don't realize when we're in a moment that's going to become a memory or something that's important to you, right? So then you examine, like, well, why are these the memories? Why is this so important? And then for myself, I think, as especially as a young person, you maybe look at things a little selfishly because you're so focused on yourself. 
And then when you start to examine the other people, it's almost like a crime scene. You start to go like, okay, well, I can see this through dad's eyes now. Okay, I, I, oh my God, that must have been very hard for him. And you realize why he did certain things or, or how he did it and his own experiences and his own childhood, how, what, you know, he grew up in a far tougher situation than I did. And so, uh, you know, and he was always trying to drag us up from, say, the downtown of St. John's, which was, he grew up in, born in 1926 during the Depression, quite, he didn't want to be down there. And of course, I was trying to get down to the, and become an actor, and he had finally found this life where he was able to support a family, and then you're like, I want to be an actor, and he's like, oh, for God's sakes, come on, man. His father, you know, was a fisherman and stuff, and every other creature drowned, so he thought, okay, I'm finally able to lift things up, and he, and, and then you're running off to become a clown. So I, I can <laughs> see all that, and it, quite sympathetic towards him, and it, you know, I understand a lot more, and it certainly brought me a lot closer to him. And then there's a the whole thing too, like where you're trying to be honest for the comedy, but also it's like, oh, the old man wouldn't like it if I told people that. <laughs> but at a certain point, you go like, no, you have to be, you have to be real, and 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 uh, every family's going through this. Authenticity is the most important part, I think. It is. You had to, you had to, and people always say, oh my god, that was hilarious. Well, that happened, or oh my god, that really touched me. Well, that's real. And the stuff that people really connect to in the show are always the real moments. Ben, your dad's sitting in the studio uh, <laughs> next to us here. How did you find your way into acting, and, and what was your parents' reaction? Did they say, hey, you'd be great for this, or did yeah. you say, I want to do this? Well, yeah. I guess it was originally when I was about seven or six, and I just I was always dressing up as superheroes or you know messing around with loads of energy. And then, so yeah, my parents have always been great about allowing me to do, like, whatever I was interested in. So originally it was like rugby and then transitioned into football. And then I just, you know, I I personally said, oh, you, you know, would it be okay if I tried out on, you know, just a Saturday uh, club where I did singing, acting, dancing. So I went along to that and I really enjoyed it. And then from that point, just started building it up a little bit more. So Northern Lights Drama were awesome. So they're a little like a, um, uh, like a, kind of company right. where I live in Yorkshire. So Yeah, yeah. you're so, from northern England. Yeah, right? exactly. Yeah, yeah. Um, so they're really sweet, and basically I just continued to enjoy it, did some Lambda, um, and then I luckily got into an agency after an audition, and then from that point I started off with theatre. I really enjoyed that, and that was when I was about eight years old. And then... And then um, musicals, and then I and then I started auditioning for TV and film, and so it was adverts, then short films, and then slowly TV shows, and now Son of a Critch. So yeah, and that was like that too. Like we were talking last night actually over dinner a bit about kind of reminiscing about the start of it. I remember when I saw Ben's audition, I was I was very happy, but also kind of sad because I thought, okay, if we get him, we can make this show something special. He can do, we can play all those heartfelt moments. Right. I can do, I can make this really great if I get him, but probably not going to get him because he's that good, you know? <laughs> and then we have this conversation and, and we had a really great Zoom and we get to know each other and there's a really good, you know, vibe check on both sides. It's like, okay, this is great. We, we, I think we're going to be okay. And then it all worked out. But I mean, Ben's incredible ability uh, and his incredible insight and uh, emotional maturity I mean, that's the secret sauce. I mean, you'd never be able to do this show with with most people who would have auditioned because what he he can do is it he just gives you that ability to go in any direction and go really really deep with things and uh, see him and Malcolm McDowell on a bed talking to each other in a scene. That's that's all you need. Yeah, you know, and and Thank it's you. wonderful to be able to have. And I'm sitting here looking at you now. Here's the thing that just occurred to me. If they do the story of the Beatles' early lives, 
you have to play Paul McCartney. Does he not look like Paul McCartney? He looks like Paul McCartney. He could also do, I think he could probably do a, a, a young Lennon in a way too. Yeah. But no, he's a very handsome young lad. And as he's getting older, oh, you'd be man. a very good Paul, you would. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, you've already, you, you, you can find that accent probably a little more easily than you found the Newfoundland accent. Yeah, I guess so. I just, because um, Malcolm is also from Liverpool, so yeah. I could always ask him to, you know, drop a few uh, tips. That's right. Um, but yeah, that would be awesome. My grandfather actually went to school with the Beatles. No. I know. It's, it's crazy. <laughs> so I think that would that would be really special for him as well to see me kind of reenact something that he actually had connections and to as well. talk about the old internet uh, and stuff. Uh, we're on Paramount Plus yeah. in the UK and uh, Mike McCartney, Paul's brother, is a big fan of the show. And we exchange Christmas cards and stuff wow. now. We talk back and forth and all that. And he's, I've said, I, before... As it was starting, I'd say, he had my book. We talked back and forth a lot because he had a book about the early years of the McCartney's mm -hmm. and, and stuff. And what we met up, long story. But anyway, I, I knew him a bit. And then he, he liked my book. And then I told him that the show was excited. So I sent him like early copy screeners. So he's seen them all before anybody. And he loves the show. And he wants us to come over for wow. a visit sometime in Liverpool. So it's mm -hmm. funny you should mention Paul McCartney. But uh, yeah, it just it strikes me right now as we sit wow. here. Let's get that going. Okay, we'll make the Paul McCartney story. Now. <laughs> yeah, no, that would that would be awesome. An and excuse Malcolm, to learn the guitar, I guess. That's yeah. right. Malcolm used to go see the Beatles actually in their leathers when there were the Silver Beatles at the Cavern. Yeah, he told me that we were talking uh, about. I don't know how it came up while when he wasn't watching football. Uh, yeah. I could pry the camera, the the phone out of his hands. Uh, <laughs> he told me about that. He told me about growing up in Liverpool. I think I told him that I'm from a place called Liverpool, Nova Scotia. Yes, and so it it kind of uh, it sparked that conversation. And Liverpool, Nova Scotia, where I'm from, has a Mersey River that runs right down the middle wow. of it. Some of the street wow. names are the same and things. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the accent is much different, but. Um, uh, but that's how we got onto it. And he told me about seeing the Beatles and, and knowing them. Did your grandfather have stories? Did he say, oh, that Paul McCartney. Yeah. We used to beat him up every day. <laughs> you know? He was, I think my, uh, my grandpa was, um, a few years younger. Mm. And I remember, um, he told me a story about having a piece of paper that he was cleaning up a classroom and it had the signatures, uh, of, you know, Paul yeah. McCartney. Uh, and he looked and he just, he didn't think any of anything of it yeah. um, um, at the time, obviously, because um, they were only kids, right? And so, yeah, he put it in the bin and went, <laughs> went about his day. But then I was just like, oh, my gosh, like, it's crazy that um, things like that can happen. Yeah. It's like, so, yeah, I've, I've had some really cool stories from my grandpa, you know. Yeah, had they sold that now, <laughs> you wouldn't have to work as an actor. None of the family <laughs> would. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> We yeah. talked early on in this process. I don't think the first show had aired yet. And I remember, Mark, you saying to me, listen, if nobody watches this, I don't care. If it doesn't get past season one, I don't care. I'm just glad we got to do it. And yeah. now you're on season three. That must feel great. Yeah, and we a lot of Canadians tuned in right from the start. And then now we're on the CW in the States. So I, I never expected in my wildest, I guess, uh, humble Canadian dreams that it would go this well. I just immediately assumed cancellation on day one. But I was like, oh, we had a good time. We got to do something. But yeah, it's, it's wonderful that it's being accepted so much. And I don't imagine that you thought you would end up spending three seasons in Newfoundland shooting a show. I, well, <laughs> I, I, well, it's, I guess not. I think, I guess Newfoundland is just, um, I'd never heard of it to, uh, before the show, but then to, to learn about it through the scripts and also going out for the first season, you you know, 
I'm so glad. And it, it's stuff like, now I go back, I remember singing about it in a choir, a song <laughs> that mentioned Newfoundlanders oh, wow. and sailors. And, and so, like, there's cool bits like that, though. It's like, oh, I just never realised it, and now I kind of see it all around me and kind of people mm-hmm. from where I live who went over and found themselves there as well. So, yeah, it's. I think it's so cool that I've, I've been able to, just like any other project, go to different places and and um and it's you know it's such a treat every summer you're listening to mark critch and benjamin evan ainsworth on the richard Krause show their show son of a critch is on cbc television and cbc jam do you have little traditions and things that you you have to do every year or are you just working the whole mm. time you're there no we definitely do i think every year when we come out in the first couple of weeks we always go fishing with mark <laughs> uh and that's a treat every time but also on the weekends um me and malcolm support liverpool football club mm-hmm. religiously um and they're a soccer team and um so we've basically converted everyone so every weekend we go to the duke <laughs> fish and chips and get the game on and so that's lots of fun as well like it's it's kind of become a second home now we've got so much um to look forward to on weekends and yeah it's yeah, it's basically normal routine now i think the last time that I saw you. I don't know if that can be right, but we were in Montreal at Just for Laughs and I yes. hosted a panel with the, the whole cast mm-hmm. and you mentioned Liverpool uh, football team. Uh, there was a game happening while the panel was on <laughs> and it was irksome to Malcolm McDowell who wanted to be watching the game and as soon as we were off stage, people go at him and they want his autograph. They've got all sorts of clockwork orange paraphernalia and he's signing it but he's got his phone on and he's watching the game while he's signing stuff. Yeah, he was. He wanted to end the panel early because he's like, oh, this is great and everything but uh, Michael, we're down! And, uh, and he's asking people in the audience, you know, he's asked really? Ben's dad in the audience what the score was and stuff and it's, it is Fascinating, and it's wonderful when we all came together at first. It was a real bonding moment uh, watching Benjamin be uh, just this really knowledgeable football fan, but who was quite sensible, and Malcolm being this older guy who was just arguing about it all the time. I was like, oh, we're going to kill them. They're horrible, this other team. Like, yeah. Well, actually, if you look at the standings overall, no, you're a fool. And yeah. so they, they really came together about it. Oh, yeah, it's lots of fun. Like uh, in the mornings, hair and makeup, so I'll just like hear stories about him going to see Pele. And he's right. the legend, right? Yeah. And like, whereas I've got stories of like, I don't know, like sharing, you know, going to see a game with friends or whatever right. it is. So it's like sharing those totally different experiences, but it, it's all the same because it's just a love of football, which is great. And um, it's great to have that. I would imagine, too, that that helped bond you mm-hmm. and Malcolm McDowell, who plays your grandfather on the show. That must have been... Uh, that must have gone a long way to making sure that there was some real chemistry between you guys. Yeah, definitely. And I think you kind of need that in those intimate scenes as well because we've got, from the first season to now the third season, you've got those lovely bits in the the bedroom that they share where they're really opening up about their own problems together. Um, so you, you do need that. And Malcolm's great and we get along quite well. And, and it's awesome because we're from different generations, mm-hmm. but we have these links, like whether it's football or love of acting, that we just, you know, get along so well and it's yeah he's such a character it's so fun 
And Mark, you're on season three now. Do you have enough life left to go season four, <laughs> season five, season six? I want to end with <laughs> Benjamin uh, playing me in this interview. <laughs> and, uh, and, and I was just two hundred seasons from now. Yeah, I was, I was just casting a, a children in grade five uh, across the way to uh, play you. Oh, good. By then, yes, you by know, then. I'm yep. like looking yep. for a guy with glasses and great hair. Yeah, yep. <laughs> but it's uh, yeah, I, I, I certainly uh, to get us out of high school and and then maybe even one year more, you know, like we're year three. Uh, when he graduates from high school, that will be year six, I think, yeah. which is, a, it, if it all works out, who knows? But uh, uh, as long as we can keep going, you know, sadly enough, uh, horrible things have happened to me <laughs> that we can easily do six. Yeah. And tonally, the show was really interesting because it's really funny, but it also has great moments of poignancy. It's got very silly moments. It's got all that stuff. It's all, it's, it's, it's unlike almost anything else. You don't have the usual sitcom thing where you have to go for a laugh every 30 seconds or whatever it is. And I love that. And I think that's one of the things that has set this show apart is that it feels different and it feels unique. And it feels as though you're kind of hanging out with the characters. Big thing about one of the major thing I want to do is have that heart and give it that ear and have those moments that other people might say, "Oh, that's got to be snappier." Put some music in there. Mm -hmm. It's like, no, let it breathe and let it be real. And I, you know, I was hoping that at the end of every episode would kind of feel like a hug. You know, if <laughs> everything's wrapped up and there's a really sweet moment or maybe a bittersweet moment, because that's what grown up is about. You yeah. know, it's a lot of it is heartache. It's really a wonderful uh, tool to be able to utilize. You've been listening to Mark Critch and Benjamin Evan Ainsworth on the Richard Krause Show. Their show, Son of a Critch, is on CBC Television and CBC Gem. My guest in this segment is star of stage and screen, Adam Garcia. You'll remember him as Kevin O'Donnell, the Australian heartthrob in Coyote Ugly, who after one striptease scene at the bar becomes the boyfriend of Violet, played by Piper Parabo. He's also appeared on the big screen in Confessions of a Teenage Drama Queen, Death on the Nile, and Afterlife of the Party, and on television in many shows, including his time as a judge on the British talent show Got to Dance. He's also an Olivier Award-nominated stage star who's best known for lead roles in musicals like Saturday Night Fever and Kiss Me Kate. We talk in this interview about how being an anatomical model gave him a sense of being on stage, how the Rocky Horror Picture show changed the direction of his life and his starring role in 42nd Street, now playing on stage at the Princess of Wales Theatre in Toronto. Here's Adam Garcia, who was suffering from a bit of a cold when we did this interview. You'll hear it in his voice. Uh, the joys of a slight cold in theatre. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's the hours, it's the strenuous nature of it all, probably. You must often feel just like on the cusp of not feeling great yeah that happens yeah it does yeah. and it's always i mean there's sort of a I, I always get i mean i guess you were saying you know getting used to performing i still it's not necessarily performance anxiety but I, there's there's always nerves and an edge before going on stage i do like to yeah there's because there's there's a pressure not an I'm not a horrific pressure but um it's all live. So yeah, there's, there's always that, I guess, <clears throat> I always find that after I finish a show, I tend to really get sick because you're, everyone's holding on. You're literally right. like 
making sure you are you're maintaining yourself and your body's using up every ounce of its resources and then suddenly you finish the show and you're like yeah. <laughs> to fall into a puddle but you're uh, in bed for two weeks i want to set the stage a little bit we'll talk about the show in just a few minutes but um i want to ask about uh your family you did not come from a show business family but somewhere around age eight you were taken to see the Rocky Horror Picture Show, and it kind of changed everything for you, from what I understand. Tell me a little bit about that and what it meant to you to see that show. Uh, yeah, well, I mean, I started dancing for no essentially good reason when I was about five or six, and I loved it. And so I guess my my dad, who doesn't know a lot about musical theatre or theatre for that matter, or didn't at that point, thought I, I should take him to go and see some musical theatre. That, that would be fun. And he didn't know <laughs> he didn't know that it would be completely inappropriate to take an eight or nine-year-old uh, to see the Rocky Horror Picture Show. But I just thought it was absolutely amazing. I mean, I don't really remember the sort of sexual innuendo or anything like that, but the lead... The lead role of Frankenfurter um, was played by an actor called Reg Livermore, who is an Australian actor, very, very um, sort of a, a bit of an Australian icon. Mm -hmm. And I just thought he was spellbounding, spellbinding. Um, I, I just, I was just thought I, he was so. It was just a, a total charisma on stage, and it was one of those things where I was like, "That's what I want to do. That's what I want to be able to, you know, achieve." For some reason, I didn't know why or what for but um yeah that was it. it it might have been the spectacle of the whole thing it might have been the audience reaction maybe you thought man i want that for me i i kind of think i mean I, I do remember one thing which was because he's placed frankenfurter obviously i didn't know that at the time but you you can you're, you're in control of the show and someone i think must have got offended or something like that and he ranted at them this tirade of i guess might have been improvised but it was hilarious and i think it was it may have been like the power he had right that sort of command over over an audience as well as i think and i'm, I'm pretty sure of this just the, the way that the story was told mm -hmm. i you know i sort of and i've, I've always sort of felt that you know, and I, I remind myself all the time that it's the storytelling and of, of 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 what goes on. You can have all the, the best intentions and the best performances and phenomenal voices, but if the storytelling isn't there, it's for naught. You're listening to Adam Garcia on The Richard Krause Show. If you're in the Toronto area, catch him in the all-singing and all-dancing and all-tap-dancing 42nd Street at the Princess of Wales Theatre. So, yeah, I think it was that. And I think that I can confirm that because I went and saw... My first show in the UK when I was there working, I went and saw um, Sunset Boulevard mm. uh, with Kevin Anderson uh, as Joe Gillis. And it was like I was watching a film. His ease, his nuance, his honesty was so amazing that, you know, I was, I was I think I was 20 at the time. I was like, that that's how you do musical theater, any sort of theater, but musical theater as well. Like you can't shy away from the truth of it, no matter how big or bold or broad the show is. Um, and I, yeah, I was like, I was, I was, so that's maybe it's storytelling. Well, I think that's something that people think about 
musical theater is that you have to be big and you have to uh, sing right to the back row and you've got to do that. But it is just, it's a drama that just happens to have, or, or comedy, whatever it might be, that just happens to have songs in it. So there's no need really to twist the performance <laughs> in that way. Bless you. Thank you. Uh, well, yeah, and it's and that's the that's the trick, and 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 theater the same thing. You know, you can watch, um, uh, you know, amazing actors, and they they are incredibly nuanced and moment to moment, and yet they do have. You can't project it to a front row. You have to project it right. somehow all the way to the back, and that's the that's the I think the real difficulty is finding a way to magnify that so that you aren't just you know waving your arms but you're you're somehow conveying messages all the way to the back and and yet for that person way at the back seeming like they're right you're right in front of them well i saw uh your old schoolmate hugh jackman a couple of years ago do music man on broadway and it was an incredible performance because i had never seen music man somehow it was yeah. a big hole in my in my musical theater knowledge I thought it was going to be kind of creaky, kind of old fashioned. And then uh, Hugh Jackman came out and warmed that place up with the strength of his personality and and gave this just absolutely tremendous performance. So uh, it's all about drawing you in, I guess. I mean, he's an incredibly charismatic man. Mm -hmm. um, and the fact that he's exceedingly good at what he does as well as being charismatic certainly helps. And yeah, you know, he proves it time and time again. And I, I remember seeing him do Joe Gillis, and I remember seeing him when I was first in the UK, and he was there doing um, Oklahoma. Mm -hmm. He was extraordinary. So yeah, he's 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 adept at his craft. So another question about your young life, and we'll move on, I promise. But you got used to being on stage when you worked with your mother. She was not a performer, but you were able to help her out in stage presentations. <laughs> Yeah, so she she was a physiotherapist, and um, she would lecture, and she sort of because most of the time, if it was like school holidays, you know, I'd be at a loose end, and so she'd be like, "Why don't you come with me to my lecture? I have you know, a couple of hours to do there." And and then she figured out because I was I was already dancing, I was quite scrawny, I was quite a good anatomy model, <laughs> uh, you know. So I was probably ten or eleven, and so you know, she would she could bring me out and you know, point to places on my on my back and go here, you know, scapularis, and here's rhomboids, and and this is how shoulders me mechanics work. And so, yeah, I was I was sort of – it didn't happen that – it happened a few times. But, uh, yeah, so she used me as a, a sort of a live, a, a live mannequin in order to uh, display mobility. And as a, an 11-year-old or a 10-year-old, of course, you're incredibly mobile. Right. No restriction on like, you know, it's like, and so when this happens, like, this is where the shoulder wouldn't work. But in this case, <laughs> shoulder works. So. <laughs> and it got you comfortable being on stage, maybe? I, I guess. I, I was sort of, <laughs> You know, I, I think in that sort of medical thing, it's, it's so, uh, uh, I guess. I, I, it's a little dry. Yeah, it's so complete. <laughs> that it's sort of there's no sort of performance element to it this show is so physical you were talking about uh just hyping yourself up and making sure that you're ready to do this but 
this, I think, was uh, a quote from a different show, but I can imagine this. I've seen 42nd Street. I've seen you do it. You say you probably play a game of AFL football every show, and over the weekends we'll be doing four shows in 48 hours. Uh, do you have rituals that you use to stay in shape and make sure that you're just up for it? Well, I mean, this show, I mean, uh, I don't do as much as I would do in a normal dance show. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the, the 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 chorus, should I say, I mean, they are constantly dancing. I mean, it is, uh, that's what young bodies are for. <laughs> uh, you know, the, I, I did uh, Singing in the Rain, which was incredibly grueling, um, you know, Tap Dogs, which is a, effectively an 85-minute sprint. And... Um, I'll be doing Chitty Chitty Bang Bang in the UK, and that'll be a, a much larger dance role as well. So you sort of, what, what I always try and tend to do is you, you have to build up to match fitness before mm. you obviously go on. And most of the time, then once, once you're fit and you're, you know, you've gone through rehearsals and then you're in the show, you, you can pretty much maintain it simply by the fact that you're, you're being active during, you know, that sort of thing. But, uh you know i'll still probably i normally you know try and go to the gym um do sort of functional exercises just to keep core and that sort of thing just do different things to the show but that's that's uh yeah so much tap dancing in this show and i love tap dancing i find it wildly entertaining (laughs) and um I've been reading a little, I don't know anything much about tap dancing. So I've been reading about it and here's something that's kind of interesting. It is one of the only forms of dance that you actually are part of the music that you are creating. You're creating part of the sound of the piece, uh, flamenco probably, and you know, a, a handful of others possibly, but tap dancing is probably the most obvious for that. Is that what makes it so special? I, I certainly think so. Um, I, I, it's there's a phenomenal book called "What the Eye Hears," um, which is sort of a history of tap dancing, and um, uh, and it could be vice versa. What the what the you know what the ears see. Mm-hmm. And it's you know there there is Irish dancing, there is flamenco, there's clogging, there's tap. Let's let's say they're the, they're the three most well known, um, and of those of those uh, types of styles of dancing certainly tap is the one that's most formatted in a jazz sense it is jazz um they call it jazz tap any of that sort of stuff so you're absolutely right it is a percussion instrument and it is creating a rhythm along to the music as well as the shape of the dancer's body uh and so yeah and i think that's one of the things that really attract people to watching it there's something about the fact that you can you can musically feel what the dancers are doing both with their feet and body and it makes it yeah it's it's very very compelling you're listening to adam garcia on the richard kraus show if you're in the toronto area catch him in 42nd street at the princess of wales theater and there's so much of it in 42nd street do you think that uh when you were in 11th grade and mr patterson convinced you not to take a role in 42nd Street that you would have been up to the dancing then? Uh, I mean, I think I I probably, 
I, I, I mean, I, I actually, yeah, because I, I got the, I got the job, and uh, it was, <clears throat> it was, you know, I, I, I really considered leaving school to do it, and, um, and yes, my uh, uh, Dr. Patterson was who was my headmaster at Knox, um, my, my school, yeah, said, you know, if you can get this job at sixteen, you'll get another one. That was his advice, but you'll never be able to go back and complete school. And it was it was really a really great advice. And you know, your final two years at school, and particularly in Australia or wherever you are, are, are really important and they're formative. And and I'm I'm so glad that I I did it and and went through it. And then sure enough, you know, I went to university to to do a science degree. And you know, five of those guys who had done Forty Second Street then went and formed Hot Shoe Shuffle, and I joined them. So. Yeah. The way I, I, you know, I kind of got the, the best of both worlds, and and sure enough, I got another job, and then never really looked back. And Forty Second Street, uh, I have to admit that I didn't realize that it was from the nineteen eighties. I thought that I was, and I I've heard about this show for years. I thought it was from the nineteen thirties, and I thought this is an incredible collection of songs, and and what a great story. But written in the nineteen eighties to sort of pay tribute to, and I think have a little bit of fun with the idea of Broadway in the 1930s. Um, it, it has really connected with audiences. It won Tony Awards. It has done so well on tour, certainly doing well now with the version you're in for uh, Mervish. Why do you think it connects with audiences so? <clears throat> I think it connects on a lot of levels. One, I, you know, as you said, it's, it's, it's a, it's a, the, the music is fantastic. It is, I guess, the first sort of version of a jukebox musical where they, you know, the, the same writers had written for several different shows and decided to sort of cobble them together um, and take bits from different pieces. Uh, it Obviously, there, there, there was a movie, there was a Busby Berkeley choreographed movie from the 1930s, it was, you know, gold diggers and things like that. Um, and there was a novel of the same, you know, that was that it was based on as well, which was very, sort of the very dark underbelly of 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 Broadway, um, almost like a like a Hollywood noir. But this is a lot more sanitized. It's bright. It's it's entertaining, and I guess thematically, it always rolls around at a time where you know it it's set in the Great Depression. It's about escapism. It's a. It's about the idea that even if the, the, all the struggles in the world, uh, some some dazzling talent and wonderful music and laughs can t take you away for a second, um, and and so I, I guess you know people love. That's why they come to the theatre to be entertained. You know there there are different genres and people want to be affected politically or or, or emotionally, and this one is. It's not incredibly light, but there is something joyous, and it's a it's a fairy tale. It's uh, yeah, it's it's about a, a girl who tries to have get a shot, and she does, and what she does with it, and 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 everyone around her. So I think I think it, it resonates with a lot of people. One because it's a flight of fantasy, and you know those dancers and what they do on the stage to that music is. 
It's breathtaking. That was Adam Garcia on The Richard Krause Show. Big thanks to Adam. If you're in the Toronto area, be sure to check him out in 42nd Street at the Princess of Wales Theatre. Also, a big thanks to Mark Critch and Benjamin Evan Ainsworth of the show Son of a Critch. You can see the third season right now on CBC and CBC Gem. It's a really fun show, so be sure to check it out. Of course, as always, my biggest thanks goes to you for listening. I'm Richard Krause. Stay happy, stay safe, stay healthy, stay weird, and we'll talk to you again soon. <laughs>